It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler Communications. Play Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah! It's in-season content. It's almost time for Thursday night kickoff. And it is the Wednesday, Look Ahead Wednesday show. So we we renamed a lot of shows, guys. Actually, at first, I should say you're live with the MD's Fantasy Football Show on YouTube and on BellyUp.TV. Make sure you check us out on demand on your favorite TV device when you download the Fox D Network app and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category. We're on there along with several others. And then make sure you stay up to date with the show on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, please give us a five-star review. That greatly helps out the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, Joined here with Mr. Brian Scott, the Injuryless Podcast. We had him on earlier in the summer. And this is something we are going to try to do as long as Brian is available. Wednesdays and Thursdays to kick off the show for the first five to ten minutes. 
We're going to talk about the latest injury news with our medical expert. Very happy to be able to do that. Brian, I can't thank you enough for taking out the time to come on to do that. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited too. And thanks for having me, Dan. It's my pleasure to help you guys out here with some uh, injury updates. We have, we have quite a few. Uh, but first, I want a little bit of an intro. This is the first episode of the in-season content. And like I was trying to lead off with, we've changed the way we do some things around here. It used to be just, you know, your run-the-mill, oh, it's part one preview. Oh, it's part two. Oh, it's the Sunday recap. We've jazzed it up, and we've changed some of the segments around. You're going to see that here today, and we'll go through that as we go through because everybody's going to be new to it. Even if you're not new to MD Nation, you're going to be new to it, so don't worry. I'll explain it as we go today. Maybe we'll go a little bit over an hour just for today so everybody has the explanation. But today is Look Ahead Wednesday where we're going to preview the first half of the weekly games. And in this case, we got week one. So it's basically just the first eight games on the schedule is what we'll preview today. Tomorrow, we'll be back Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, like we always are on bellyup.tv. And we'll talk about the second half, those second, those, those next eight games, the last eight games on the schedule. We'll preview those. Brian will be back on with us to talk about the entries in those games. So that's how this thing is going to work. And then, of course, Friday, we are on Friday this week. 10 p.m. Eastern, again, Cashing Friday. Usually we have Chaz Flaherty on there, our sports betting expert. He won't be there this week. It will be Chris and myself, and we are looking to get one guest. Haven't confirmed who it's going to be exactly, but you have that to look forward to. All right, so now that I got all that out of the way, let's get talking about some actual practice reports, some injury reports, and get into the action here with the injury report. Breaking news. So let's start off, of course, with some of the injuries for tomorrow's game. Yeah, well, let's just, I'm sorry, Dan, but let's just preface this with, you know, this week is the first official injury lists that were, that had come out. Some teams provided that list to the media today. So this was a big turning point for week one, especially heading into the fantasy football season here. So this is going to be how it's going to go the rest of the way here. You got to pay attention to this stuff before you sort out your lineup. Uh, and I'll be doing an article next month in the Belly Up Fantasy website talking about how to prepare on a weekly basis. I did one already talking about how to prepare for the preseason injury updates and whatnot. So going forward, check that out and pay attention to what's going on because that's going to be really key for your lineups. Well, and also real quick, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also working with Andrew LeDuc, who's one of our writers at Belly Up Fantasy for correct. a weekly injury report too as well, right? On correct. And I'll be doing now. some, he'll be quoting me on some injuries and some topics on that uh, article as well, but I'll be doing like a monthly article. And this month's article is going to be focused on the weekly injury reports, how to decipher the questionable status, the active status and whatnot. So pay attention for that. There'll be a little bit more detail than the stuff I'll be doing with Andrew. Billy of Fantasy Sports and the MD's Fantasy Football Show, the one-stop shop for all your fantasy football needs. All right, so let's talk about an injury that looks like it's gotten cleared up at this point. Isaiah McKenzie, and he was one of those guys that kept being listed as an undisclosed injury. Now that we're finally into the season, they can't be undisclosed anymore, so that's the good news. But Isaiah McKenzie comes in. He's got the groin issue, was listed as questionable, but now he practiced in full, I believe, today. Should be good to go. What do you think? Yeah, it sounds like he's uh, he's going to be ready, uh, was a full participant in practice, was not listed on the injury report with any injury designation, which is usually a sign that they are full go, no restrictions or limitations. I expect him to be suited up and starting on Sunday. So what about Matthew or, Stafford? Thursday night, actually, with the Bills, right? Thursday night, yeah, that's tomorrow um, night. I'm sorry about that. Uh, so, so Stafford, you know, this continues to be a, a controversy. 
And it just got actually uh, heightened today because uh, they interviewed Sean McVay. And he basically was like, um, yeah, we, we dealt with this all last season. We're going to handle this the same way we did last season. And that was kind of shocking because we knew he had some other stuff going on. We didn't know that the elbow was part of that, though. And we were only made aware of this uh, in the spring when we found out that he was dealing with an elbow issue. He had been getting treatment. He had a PRP injection. It didn't go as they had hoped. And he was still struggling with this elbow inflammation and tendonitis. And then here we are hearing that this has been going on for over a year now. They kind of babied him through last season with it. And lo and behold, it ended up with the Super Bowl championship. So I guess it couldn't have been that bad. But you worry about these things kind of stumbling and having a snowball effect and getting worse as time goes on. Um, I've been saying all along that I don't think this is going to affect him too much, but we won't really know until he starts making those deep throws down the field. And when they asked Stafford about how he felt, he was um, almost had to hold himself back before when he was saying that he didn't quite feel like he was 100% yet. But then McVay was basically saying, no, he's making all the throws. He looks great out there. I don't see any problem. He's good to go. We're, we'll be fine. So a little bit of... Uh, disinformation there, if you want to call it that. Um, I think the the proof is going to be in the pudding. We'll see what he can do uh, Thursday night. But in my opinion, the thing that he's probably going to struggle with the most is those down-the-field passes where he's got to really put a little bit of extra juice on the ball to get it out of the pocket and get you know, hit guys open down the field. That's going to be the kind of telltale sign of how uh, much he's recovered. Yeah, and, uh, well, the Stafford, look, remember, he did wear down towards the end of last season a little bit. The good news with him, I, I guess I would say, is that Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, two receivers that don't necessarily have to go down the field, so he might be able to get away with it to some degree. Their yeah. third receiver, Van Jefferson, though, coming off of a knee procedure, looks like Correct. he is going to be out tomorrow. Correct. Uh, doesn't sound like he's been able to suit up and practice. Uh, was apparently listed as day-to-day, but hasn't yet practiced at all this week and likely will not be uh, in the lineup um, tomorrow night, obviously, with the short uh, season, uh, week because of the Thursday night game. Now, he had a, apparently had a minor knee surgery uh, in August, but then had a, a repeat surgery right before a preseason camp started. Not sure what they had to do or why they went in a second time, but that is a little concerning when you look at the long longevity for him uh, heading into the season here, not being full re- fully ready to go week one. So it could be a few more weeks before we see him depending on what exactly they did and what his status is uh, heading into week two. And then Drake London also dealing with a knee issue. We hadn't really seen him too much, but he did come back to practice and things are starting to look up for Drake London this week, I think. Yeah, he was limited in practice today. Um, uh, had a, some type of knee injury against the Lions in the preseason, uh, the first preseason game, basically like the first play he was in and then basically never played again the rest of the preseason. It sounds like they were really just being more cautious than anything, which is perfectly understandable. Um, it, they don't seem like they're too uh, worried by it. They sa- said it was a pretty minor injury, did not require any surgical treatment. Uh, the Falcons don't seem to, to be too worried by it. I don't feel too worried by what I'm hearing and reading. Um, I think he'll be good to go. Any concern about Joe Burrow coming off an appendix surgery? None whatsoever. I've, I've said that all along. Um, the only thing that initially I heard about his uh, surgery and stuff uh, around the time of it was that he was apparently had a ruptured appendix and had to have some IV antibiotics for several weeks, but he's long past that treatment. He should be 110% recovered, and uh, this should not really pose any issues with him uh, going forward. Well, let's skip down because we got we T. Higgins. He looks like he's going to be active. Deontay Johnson looks like he's going to be active. Let's skip down to uh, Miles Sanders. Now, he did get back to practice, but he's dealing with that hamstring injury, which always just seems to be an issue for him. 
Yeah, uh, well, he was listed, though, as a full participant in today's practice for the first time. So, you know, but the thing about hamstring injuries is they, they are very nagging. And he dealt with a hamstring injury, I think it was last year, around the same time in preseason as well. And I believe it was on the same leg. So this could be a recurring theme for him, which is which could be problematic the rest of the way this season because hamstring injuries notoriously take a long time to get better. They are a nagging injury. They can often kind of rear their ugly head again. So you hope that this is something maybe that was just mild and being that he had this issue last year, they kind of nipped it in the butt real quick and uh, basically, you know, treated it with kid gloves heading into the week one here. All right. Million dollar question. J.K. Dobbins, what do you think is going on with him right now? Still don't think he's going to be ready for week one. I've been saying that all along. I was on your show a few weeks ago saying the same thing. There's been a lot of controversy that he looks like he's favoring that side. He doesn't look ready. He's still been doing only limited um, practices. Hasn't actually even been cleared for contact as far as I know yet and haven't seen him taking any contact. Um, he, he was on Twitter, uh, fight barking back at some of the reports saying, you know, I'm good to go. Don't worry about me, but you know, the proof's in the pudding. I still haven't seen anything that kind of tells me he's actually there yet. Um, I don't think he's going to be ready for week one. And then they went out and signed Kenyon Drake. And to me, that tells me that they're probably not confident that he's going to be ready week one either. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, moving on here, Zach Wilson. We did get some information on him. It, the coach came out, Robert Sala came out and said, not so week four, most likely with his knee issue. Yep, and that's that doesn't surprise me, and I think that's the smart move here. You know, there were reports yesterday, just yesterday saying that he potentially could start on Sunday, and I thought that was absurd. Um, you know, yes, he didn't have any major structural ligament injury to the knee, and the arthroscopic procedure proved that he just had a minor meniscal tear, which they cleaned up, which which is great. But don't forget, you still have surgery. There's still a lot of weakness that'll set into that leg. You know, he still had a bone bruise that he's bouncing back from, and those notoriously take a long time to get better. So I would have been shocked if they actually suited him up for week one. So I'm not surprised by this announcement. I was expecting it sooner. I think this is one of those cases where the coaching staff might have got a little bit ahead of the medical staff and probably started talking to the press a little too soon before the decision was actually made. So I'm not surprised by what I heard today. How about James Robinson? D- Doug Peterson talked about, wouldn't be surprised he got a normal workload depending on how he's feeling coming back a week one off the Achilles injury. Yeah, um, I think he's about eight months now from the actual date of the surgery, which is which is a good time frame. I mean, he should be able to really push it. I think uh, having him come back at this juncture, if he feels ready for it, uh, is perfectly fine from a health perspective. And he's, he's by all the reports, he says he feels ready. He's going to be good to go. Uh, I think we will see him out there. I think the only thing that's actually going to limit him more than his Achilles, though, is going to be Travis Etienne being on the field. So we might not see him get a full workload, even if he wanted to. <laughs> well, it's going to be that's going to be one of the things we're definitely going to talk about tonight, too. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that split is actually going to pan out now with James Robinson. Sounding like he might be fully back into the mix. And, and that, we got that, two, to be honest, yeah. that might work into James Robinson's favor, you know, not being yeah. expected to go out there and take every snap right off the bat here as he gets kind of back into the swing of things. There's a lot of Travis Etienne people, though, who drafted him, hoping he'd be a solid RB2, who are a little bit disappointed by this news. But we got to see how it plays out, so we still haven't seen him on the field and in full action. 
Uh, we got two tight ends that I want to talk about before we close out the segment. First, Logan Thomas. I mean, it doesn't sound like he's going to play week one, but the fact that this guy avoided the pop was amazing to me. Yeah, amazing to me, too. He had multi-ligament injury to the knee, pretty significant uh, meniscal injury as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he even had some cartilage damage to that knee. Um, he's only about nine months out, and when you factor in all the things that took place inside that injury, um, that's still pretty optimistic to get out there nine months. I think he's actually going to probably need several more weeks before he's really feeling good to go. I think he's done some limited stuff um, in practices and stuff, still hasn't done any contact. Um you know, I I think they're going to take him slow. I think we're probably not going to see him maybe even week two, maybe even week three. You might not see him for several weeks. But the fact that he's off the pup is very encouraging because it means he's making good progress. The last one we got to talk about, and it's a big one, too. It's a late addition. Weren't, weren't ready for it. George Kittle apparently suffered a groin injury on Monday's practice, was out today. It's not looking great for this week so far. Yeah, you know, these groin things uh, can be quite painful. Um, in f- in the sport of football, they don't usually take as long to recover from uh, when you compare it to a sport like hockey, where the groin is really under stress from the skating motion. Um, so I do expect that he'll make a good recovery, but unfortunately for him, the timing of this is, couldn't have been worse. And, and without any practices under his belt after Monday, there's really no way to test it out. So he might he might not be out there week one. That's something to watch. And a lot of people drive to George Kittle's top five tight end. Unfortunately, you may have to pivot to other options. We'll help you out there as well. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to see you again tomorrow night to yes, talk about those games for those injuries. First, before you go, though, where can we follow you at? And what do you want people to tune into? Yeah, so uh, Twitter at host Brian Scott on Facebook, on Instagram as the Injured List Podcast. You can check out my website at the Injured List Podcast, or actually, I'm sorry, the InjuredList.com or the InjuredList.net. I've got some old episodes that touch on some of the injuries you hear today that we discussed, some players in the past who've had injuries, some of their stories as well. So you can always go back and listen to some of my old old episodes, and then uh, find me on a bunch of. Um, <laughs> belly up shows i'll be with dan tomorrow night and then i'll be on tss fantasy show on sunday morning uh so check that out too we'll be running through uh some similar uh athletes and some similar lists and giving some updates that uh sunday morning we're keeping them busy folks brian thanks to you so much we'll see you tomorrow take care all right so that that's brian scott brian scott is going to be an invaluable asset to us all season long so i'm really happy he's able to come on and just one of the many things we've changed around here heading into the in-season content to make this show better for you guys more informative and hopefully you'll find it more entertaining too so as i talked about we're to, we're doing the first half of game previews the first half of games on the schedule but we're doing it a little bit differently so the first segment, we'll talk about four games. Second segment, we'll talk about the other four games, and we have it broken down into certain tier marks. Our obvious starters, which you'll have the sounders for all these things. Our lock them ins our lookout fours. Now, lookout fours is going to be a key segment. It could be a sleeper I'm talking about, or it could be a guy that I'm a little bit concerned about where he's ranked at or being able to perform up to snuff. And, of course, our be cautious of, or the guys that I'm telling you, find other options if you have the ability to do so. So the first four games that we're talking about in this segment are going to be, of course, the Thursday night game, the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. We got the Saints and the Falcons, the 49ers and the Bears, which is why that George Kittle news was so imperative, and the Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So of those four games, let's talk about our obvious starters 
for each position. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So right off the bat, Josh Allen, of course, an obvious starter at the position here at the quarterback. He is my number one quarterback of the season. He's my number one quarterback on the week. Really shouldn't be of any surprise there. I don't think we have much to talk about tomorrow. Yes, the Rams defense is a good defense. Hopefully we'll get to see some of the breakout of Gabriel Davis, who we'll talk about later. But this Bills team really should be raring to go. And Josh Allen, you're going to start him no matter who you play. I don't want to spend too much time talking about guys that we know we're going to have in our starting lineups, especially in Josh Allen's case, they're going to be number ones overall. A little more interesting when we get into our obvious starters, though, when it comes to the running back. So right off the bat, our obvious starters of these games, Alvin Kamara. He's my RB3 heading into this week. Najee Harris, RB5. And Joe Mixon is my RB8. So those are your obvious starters for these four matchups heading into this one. You're obviously playing all of them. Alvin Kamara at number three might shock some people. My big thing this off in this in this season coming up is that Kamara, because of the offseason issues, was so drastically undervalued that he's now going to shock everybody. He's going to return uber value. Because I've been in a lot of drafts where he's gone in the second round. At earliest, it was the late first. When, frankly, he's a top five running back as long as he's not getting suspended for the season. So on a week-to-week basis, when he's actually active, I'm going to have him in my top five pretty consistently. I also expect, with his offense making the transition from Sean Payton over to Pete Carmichael, there's a pretty good chance you're going to see a little bit more openness. I don't think you're going to see such conservative play like we've seen over the past couple of years. The last time Carmichael got to fully call plays with no Sean Payton around, well, he threw the ball a ton, especially checkdowns. Winston has always checked the ball down. That's never been an issue. It's either a bomb or a check down. There's like no in between with Jameis Winston. So if he's playing quarterback or Zanny Dalton, either way, I think Kamara is going to get back to not quite where he was with Drew Brees, but back similar on a game-to-game basis, especially when it comes to targets. When we talk about these rankings, we're talking about half-point PPR rankings. So Alvin Kamara is going to consistently stay in that top three, top five area for me as a result of that. I do want to get pause and go to a quick question. And this is actually a good time to remind you guys, if you want to comment in during the show, this is the time to do it. The in-season episodes are more set up for having questions throughout the show. So make sure you're watching us live on YouTube in order to be able to comment on the show. And we'll get to your questions as we go. Uh, Right now, we got uh, Joffrey plays. Should I start Mooney or Godwin week one? It's a good question. Here's what I'm going to say. And I think we're going to talk about Godwin a little bit more tomorrow's show. But it's sounding like after he practiced in full today, he's going to be good to go. I'd much rather play a Godwin, even if he's on a snap count. Because even if he's on a snap count, you're still talking about him being in passing down situations and third receiver sets. I'm not overly concerned. I don't need Godwin to play every snap for him to be effective, for him to get seven-plus targets into a game, especially in a very nice matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, yes, the Cowboys' defense was great for turnovers and touchdowns, but they let a lot of people score a lot of points. I don't think that's going to change. Yes, I would play Chris Godwin over Darnell Mooney, who has to play against San Francisco. And with the Bears' offense, I still have Mooney's a top 36 wide receiver, but... I would like to kind of see how that thing is playing out this year with the new coordinating staff. If I have other options to be able to pivot to, in this case, there, Joffrey, I would say play Chris 
Godwin. So moving on with our obvious starters, and this time moving it over to the wide receiver position. You got Cooper Cup, of course, he's 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 number two. Uh, that's you know, we don't have to talk about that too much. Going against the Buffalo Bills, I will throw this out there. Jadavius White, not not gonna play for the Buffalo Bills. So they are gonna be a little bit shorthanded when it comes to that secondary. All the better for a guy like a Cooper Cup and an Allen Robinson that we'll talk about a little bit later on this segment. Then you have Jamar Chase, of course, playing Jamar Chase against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's defense is going to be better, but their secondary, their corners, I should say, in particular, are still suspect, and Jamar Chase is awesome. Obviously, you're starting him. Debo Samuel, I kind of surprised myself here. I didn't think I was going to have Debo Samuel in my top five uh, at this point in the season, especially not before getting to see Trey Lance and this offense actually get to fully function. But you have such a great matchup against the Bears defense. If he does get involved in the running game at all, it adds the extra value there. You're playing Debo against Chicago, and you're going to be uber confident about it. And then my last obvious starter for these matchups is Stephon Diggs. He's my wide receiver six. He's my wide receiver three on the year. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is likely to shadow him tomorrow, or at least we'll see him the most out of all the corners. So he will have a tougher matchup in that sense. But Stephon Diggs gets moved all around the field. They really feature him. You're always going to have him on there. He always has a safe floor when it comes to targets. Maybe he's not a big blow-up game tomorrow, which is why I have him at six, even though I had him at wide receiver three for the season. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more but you're still obviously playing Stefan Diggs. And then last but not least, my obvious tight ends for these four matchups, Kyle Pitts at number three. And then I had to change it. I, I did have George Kittle here on the outline, but after that news and hearing Brian Scott talk about the, the groin issue and what that could all mean, we might have to pivot off of that where George Kittle, we might have to replace him. So what are we going to replace him with? Well, I can tell you right now, we didn't do a waiver wire show this week because usually week one there's not much of a need for one i know i know some shows do but we don't but i can tell you right now austin hooper is widely available moelle cox has some interesting value for me this week playing against the houston texans he'll be on the field all the time hayden Hurst is widely available i know quite a bit of leagues where david njoku is available and look jacoby Brissett. i think when it comes to targets it's going to be cooper it's going to be david njoku and it could be david njoku quite a bit in the red zone so those are all names. And Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby playing him tomorrow is also a guy I would take a shot on. No Van Jefferson. Ben Skronik's supposed to be starting for Van Jefferson tomorrow. Look, he's more of a blocking receiver out there, more of a big boy, almost kind of a move tight end himself. So I think Higby actually has a shot here 
to be that third pass catcher in tomorrow night's game. So those are a few names that if you have to replace, unfortunately, George Kittle right off the bat should be available on your waiver wire and you can make those moves. So just kind of keep that in mind. We got through all the obvious starters for these four matchups. Let's talk about our lock them ins. Lock them in. It's a lock. So these are the players. And again, we're going to explain all the all the tiers and all the, all the segments out tonight because this is all new. But the lock them ins are the guys that, okay, they're not quite the obvious starters, not quite that elite tier where I would start them no matter what, given the circumstances. But for this upcoming week, they're in the top 10, maybe the top 24. If it's a running back, a wide receiver, and guys that I'm definitely having, making sure are in my starting lineups for this week. So I only have one quarterback right now in the lock ins for these four matchups. And again, the four matchups being the Rams, Bills, Saints, Falcons, 49ers, Bears, Bengals, and Steelers. And there's only one lock in and that's, that's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is right now sitting at my number 10 quarterback of the week. I want to push him up higher, and I do think he has more upside than that heading into this week against the Steelers. But the reason why I don't have him quite so high it's because he actually, his track record to this point, and again, it's a young career, but his track record to this point has been a bit of a struggle against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if the Steelers get their way in this game, it is in Cincinnati, but if the Steelers get their way in this game, this could be an ugly kind of lower scoring game, lower scoring and anybody's going to really want it to be because they have the defense to be able to do it. If they can control the clock with Najee Harris. That's what they're going to set out to do. So it's either the Bengals can come out and shoot out their big plays and be fine, or we're going to see kind of this ugly game. We're kind of waiting for the offense to get going, and it never really quite does. So there's a little bit of a, of a topsy-turny outcome, I think, to this game. But when it comes to Joe Burrow, I'm locking in my top 10. I'm locking in my lineup. When you have guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, it's hard, especially against a team that I do question the corners of that defense to really be able to hold them in check altogether. So I am locking in Joe Burrow as a starting quarterback for me. Move to the running backs. I got I got three lock em ins at the running backs. I got Cam Akers. He's my RB22 of the week. I'm playing him no matter what. I don't buy what Sean McVay is trying to sell. I don't buy it at all. I don't buy the whole idea that him and Darrell Henderson are definitely going to be in a 50-50 split. I think if they're going to be in a split, they're the most the closest they're going to be is week one tomorrow. But at most, look at a 60-40 split. If Cam Akers is really as healthy as Sean McVay claims he is, what he has shown in the past is that he'll ride one hand. He'll ride one guy. And I don't love the match against the Bills, but Cam Akers is going to be in on the goal line. That's going to be his job. He is the more dynamic pass catcher. So when push comes to shove in the most important parts of the game, when the most fantasy points are scored, I do believe Cam Akers will be the one on, on the field. Okay. So I'm rolling Cam Akers. I'm locking him in as a top as a top 24 running back, meaning an RB2, and he's going to be my starting lineup. The other guy is Elijah Mitchell. Really shouldn't be a surprise. Good match against Chicago. We don't know yet how bad this Bears defense is going to be, but my gut is telling me it could be pretty ugly. And as long as Elijah Mitchell's healthy, this is a guy who, at least last year, he averaged 18 touches a game, or 18 carries a game, I should say. Now, it didn't give you much in the passing game, of course, and we all know why, but he averaged 18 touches a game against a good matchup here. 
give me Elijah Mitchell, and especially if they don't have George Kittle out there, they, they'll they probably lean even more on the run. They're going to lean on the run that first game out with Trey Lance. You're not going to throw him to the Wolves. You want to keep his confidence up. You already shook him a little bit when you kept Jimmy Garoppolo as the backup quarterback. These are all things that are going to go in, I believe, to Elijah Moore being a lock-in. And then we flip the ball on the other side to the Bears. David Montgomery, he's my other lock in running back. He's my, my He's at my RB19. He's getting the volume. He's getting the pass catches. Again, I've said my piece about Cleo Herbert. I just released a video on YouTube and on TikTok. Follow us along at the MD Saints Football Show talking about people need to stop hating on David Montgomery and recognize that when this guy's in a position to get the bulk of the work, he delivers. Two years ago, he was the top five running back last year. In the weeks that he played, he was a top 11 running back. RB10 through weeks one through six, and then he was RB11 the weeks nine through 18. Khalil Herbert can't pass protect. He's going to be very limited in what he's involved with, if anything, in the passing game. And I do believe, after we saw the action in the preseason game, I do believe David Montgomery is still the bona fide starter there. Got some comments going in, so let's go to there. Uh, we got Richard Henderson, or I'm sorry, Richard, Richard Hernandez, forgive me. Uh, thoughts on Cordell Patterson. I'm going to get to Cordell Patterson. He's going to be in our lookout for segment, but I will give you a little bit of a hint my thoughts are pretty positive on him, especially in PPR leagues. But we'll talk about him in just a second. Danielle. Danielle asks, Penny and Hunt are still on the board. Who should I take for my bench spot? Take Kareem Hunt. He has upside if Nick Chubb gets hurt. He also has less of an injury risk than Rashad Penny for the most of the season. And he also performs as an RB2, even when Nick Chubb is out there. So I'm taking Kareem Hunt for the longevity rather than Rashad Penny, who probably will be more valuable in the first week or two. And then our friends over at the Unbearable Podcast. As a Bears fan, I can tell you I'm terrified of Mitchell this Sunday. So Brad over at the Unbearable Sports Podcast, Chicago Bears Podcast, make sure you give him a follow. Great Great guy on YouTube as well. Uh, we were on his show not that long ago. Give him, give him a little bit of a look and subscribe. So let's let's keep this thing moving here. Talk about the wide receivers. So our lock them in, our lock them in wide receivers as Gabriel Davis at wide receiver twenty two. I love Gabriel Davis. I put out a post today on social media at BellyFMDFF Show. You should give us a follow if you don't already. But I was talking about. I had a statement. I said, Gabriel Davis finishes a top 12 receiver this year. Do you agree or disagree? Now, that was not me saying that I definitely think he'll finish the top 12 receiver. I kind of wanted to gauge most people's reactions. Most people said that they didn't think there's any shot. I definitely think there's a decent shot that he could finish as a top 12 receiver. I think there's a very good shot. Him and Diggs could both finish as top 10 receivers this season. And like I talked about earlier with Diggs, he's an obvious starter, but he's probably going to get the matchup with Jalen Ramsey. We saw last year, and I don't think it's going to be much different this year, that backside secondary for the Rams can be taken advantage of if that second receiver is a good talent. I'm telling you right now, we might see Gabriel Davis arrive as soon as tomorrow night, so lock him in your lineups. The other guy I want to lock in is Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas is my wide receiver, 18. And my whole thing on him is that you got, you got to play him while he's healthy. You have to. I mean, the whole reason you draft Michael Thomas is for the upside of maybe he can get back to his wide receiver one ways. But I see a lot of people right now who have Michael Thomas kind of ranked in that territory where you're not really 100% sure if you'd actually play him. ECR has him ranked at wide receiver 26. So I'm way higher than the ECR is on Michael Thomas right now. And I'm locking him into my life as long as he's healthy and out there. Plus, you're playing the Atlanta Falcons. 
How could he not be in your lineup? How could he be considered a wide receiver three, which is where he'd be ranked at there at 26? No, I got him at wide receiver 18. Lock him in, play him, play him while you have him and see what he's got. And if he looks, if he, if there's something about him that looks a little bit iffy to you, but he winds up with a decent stat line because he is still the number one guy in Atlanta, maybe you think about trying to sell him while you still can. Sell him on the hope. These are one of those guys you ha- we have narratives on that we're going to be asking questions for, and we'll have to find out to see exactly what happens. But let's keep moving on. So we got Deontay Johnson as my next lock him in receiver. He's my wide receiver 17. I don't think much else needs to be said. Look, I know there's a lot of people who are big on pickings. Some still, you know, chase clay pulled truthers out there. Uh, they're playing against Cincinnati. If, again, I said this game could have a wide range of outcomes where if it goes the Steelers way, maybe it's a low scoring game. If it goes the Bengals way, though, the Steelers are going to have to play catch up. They're going to have to stay up to date. So there might be a few more targets involved that maybe not everybody's necessarily putting into their game script for this particular matchup. And I have no fear, especially after the little contract extension. I know it wasn't a major one, but still, they gave Deontay Johnson a contract extension, something they don't do very often for wide receivers. I think the only one I can remember in recent memory was Antonio Brown. Deontay's going to be the number one featured guy. Now, what happens between George Pickens and Claypool, that will be played out over the season. But Deontay Johnson, no question about it, the offense, the anchor, the targets, they run through him first. And I don't understand this argument that keeps getting brought up. Where it's like, well, they have quarterbacks now who can't be as bad as Roethlisberger was going down the field, and Deontay Johnson only ate off of volume. Well, first of all, go ask Juju Smith-Schuster how did that work out for him because he still wasn't productive off the same type of volume. And on top of it, if the quarterback play is going to have to be more efficient because it can't be any worse than it was last year with Ben Roethlisberger, then why wouldn't that also benefit Deontay Johnson? Okay, maybe he loses 20 targets, but he's more efficient down the field, more efficient in the red zone. What does it matter? So why does that argument not work for him? It only works when we're talking about George Pickens or Chase Claypool. I don't buy it. Deontay Johnson, lock him in. He's going to be on my lock him in quite a bit. T. Higgins at wide receiver 14. I'm always going to be playing T. Higgins. As a wide receiver two on his team, he's still going to play like a borderline wide receiver one. This is another tandem group. I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the season if they had both Chase and T. Higgins in the top 12 again. And then Mooney. We, we talked about Mooney a little bit earlier. Darnell Mooney is my wide receiver 23. I am locking him in to my lineups. I still rather play Chris Godwin, who I have a bit higher, a few spots higher. I think I have him at wide receiver 20 right now. But he is going to be my guy at 23. Why is Mooney my guy at 23? The volume, the volume. It's not a great matchup, but who else is Justin Fields throwing the ball to? And if they fall down from behind, which is likely not just in this game, but in most, I'll take the guy who can get consistent volume. I got some more questions coming in here from the Unbearable Podcast. Uh, who would you go with, Amari Cooper, Christian Kirk, or Drake London? A couple of those guys we are going to talk about in today's show, but because we're not going to talk about Amari Cooper today, I will answer this question, and the answer is Christian Kirk. Drake London, I, I still want to see it, and we'll talk about him in a little bit more. I still want to see how the Atlanta offense looks. Amari Cooper, I'm going to look for, I'm not going to lie, I'm probably going to undervalue him this year because I'm just going to look for reasons not to play him because he's just so unexciting, especially with Jacoby Brissett there. Now, come wake me up week 11, week 12, when Deshaun Watson gets back on the field, and I'll have a different take on Amari Cooper then. But for now, uh, for me, it's Christian Kirk. It's a good matchup against Washington. That game actually... That game, I could see that game being a little bit of a shootout there. He's been featured all over the field. That's all the practice reports have talked about. 
So Christian Kirk for me out of that scenario. Next question. Again, Richard Hernandez. I got it right this time, Richard. Start Allen Robinson or DJ Moore week one. By far, DJ Moore. And again, that's another one that we're going to talk about uh, as the show progresses over here. As soon as I can get these comments off of here. Okay, so moving on. I want to talk about the tight ends. I only have one lock them in tight end out of this group, and that's Pat Fearmuth. That's it. That's all I got. He's my top 10 tight end. I'm locking him into my lineups. Not going to think too much about it. He's my guy. Uh, he doesn't have tremendous upside. Do I want to see how he's going to work into this target share now with the addition of George Pickens and, you know, Mitchell Trubisky right now at the quarterback position? We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, I do. But when you start looking around all the other tight ends, you're not keeping Pat Freermuth out of the top 10. You drafted him there. You're going to play him there. That does it for the lock em ins for that group. Now let's move on to our lookout fours. And again, I'll talk about our lookout fours in just a minute. Lookout for... All right, so look out for players. These guys are could go either way. These are either my my sleeper guys of the week, who I'm a little bit higher on than maybe the rest of the ECR out there. When I say ECR, of course, I'm talking about the expert consensus ranking over at Fantasy Pros, where you can find my rankings at, or you can just make it simple and go to BellyUpFantasySports.com and find my rankings there. Or these are guys that maybe I'm lower on the ECR then. And I, or, or maybe I even have them ranked inside the top 24, but there are certain variables that have me concerned that foresees the possibility of a low floor. So this can kind of swing either way. So pay attention as we go through these players. We'll start off at quarterback. I don't know if this really should be a surprise to anybody, but uh, Matthew Stafford makes my lookout for a list and, and not as a sleeper. Uh, he's my QB 13, so I have him outside the top 12 quarterbacks, which means I am probably looking to bench Matthew Stafford for week one. It's a tough matchup against the Buffalo Bills, yes. And I, I do, like I said earlier, Tredavious White not really expected to play, so that does help out a little bit. I think Stafford has a safe enough floor, which is why I put him at QB 13, but I got to see him throwing this elbow. I know they want to talk about, like, oh, he had it last year. He was dealing with it then. He had to have surgery on it. He didn't practice much through training camp because of it. Now, I know none of the Rams starters play in preseason anyway, so that's kind of a non-factor. But like Brian Scott said at the beginning of the show, we really won't know exactly what condition he is in until he tries to go deep. I think there are other quarterbacks with more intriguing matchups this week that you can find value for that will outperform Matthew Stafford against the Bills in tomorrow night's game. So I'm actually looking out for Stafford. You may not have a better option, and that's fine if you don't. Again, I have him at QB 13. I still think there's a high floor there. But if you do, not necessarily a must-start for me heading into this week. Jameis Winston comes in at my QB 15. Now, as of now, he is expected to play, and that's, that's been the word. And like I talked about earlier with Alvin Kamara, why I like him so much, I think you're going to see a Saints offense open up not just because P. Mar Carmichael is now calling the plays and it's not Sean Payton anymore, but also because you have a team with a lot more weapons. I mean, I, I don't know what Jarvis Landry has left, but as a third receiver on the team, that's yeah, pretty good. Chris Olave, I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan. Would not surprise me if Chris Olave is the most productive rookie receiver this year. That includes over Drake Lennon. I have Drake Lennon ranked ahead, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Olave actually outproduced all the rookie receivers this season. Wouldn't shock me at all. 
And then, of course, you have Michael Thomas. So there's a real chance that they could be a much more open offense. And Winston, he has shown if he has the weapons and he's allowed to be aggressive, and that'll be the key part. Will he and is he allowed to be? He can put up fantasy performances. So that's a quarterback sleeper there with major upside at QB 15. Not necessarily trying to play him this week, but he is somebody that you can kind of pivot to who does have some upside for looking to take a shot. The other guy, this this pains me for now, but it has more to do with the matchup than anything else. Trey Lance at QB 14. Now, if you've been listening or watching this show throughout this entire year and in the offseason in particular, you know I'm not the biggest Trey Lance fan. I'm a 49ers fan, but I am not the biggest Trey Lance fan. Having said all that, I go back to what I talked about with Elijah Mitchell. They're going to lean on the run, but that's not just leaning on the run in the sense of we're leaning on the run for the quarterback or for the running back. We are also leaning on the run for the quarterback. I think Lance runs a lot in this game. I think he has a very high chance of getting a rushing touchdown in this game that gives him automatically a very high floor and a good match against Chicago. So Trey Lance does make my top 15 and another guy who you could possibly plug and play into your lineups. Victor wants to know from Danielle. I don't know if Danielle's still watching. We'll find out. But uh, he wants to know, did you wind up taking Hunt or not? So Victor asking Danielle, did you take Hunt? Or if I can actually find the question here, did you take Rashad Penny? So our, I like this. I like this. Our viewers getting involved with one another. Love it here on the MD Sanders Football Show. Keep doing that. Uh, let's move on. Our running backs. Our lookout for running backs. Only got two out of this group. Devin Singletary and Cordell Patterson. So Devin Singletary got him at RB32. Cordell Patterson, I got him at RB31 heading into this week. Now, I don't love the matchup. I'll start with Patterson here. I don't love the matchup for Patterson. Obviously, he's playing against the Saints. I mean, they're one of the toughest run defenses, period, out there. There's no question about that. But the one thing that running backs could get fantasy value on the Saints last year, and I think will continue again this season, is if you're heavily involved in the passing game. Well, Patterson, that's going to be his role. I, I'm still curious to see exactly how the breakdown happens between him and Algier when it comes to first and second down work and goal line work. And I, I know Damian Williams depth chart wise is supposed to work his way in there. I got I got to see it. I got I got to see that Damian Williams is there to be more than anything but depth for me to actually believe it. We'll see exactly what happens. But I do know this. I know Patterson is going to be involved for at least 15 touches in that game because Arthur Smith loves him one way or another. And I do know he's going to be the primary pass catching back. So do I love his upside against the Saints? No, that's why I have him ranked at RB31. But do I think he has a very safe floor? Do I think he can play in your flexes, especially to like him in PPR? Yeah, I do. And there's going to be a lot of games where Patterson's going to be in that range for me throughout the season. He's probably the only Falcon I feel confident about playing this week and feeling like, well, I should take that back. Outside of Kyle Pitts, he's the only other Falcon. We'll talk about Drake London and Marcus Mariota a little bit later on in the show. And of course, Devin Singletary at RB32. Now you got to make the quit, you got to make the decision quick on Devin Singletary, right? He's playing tomorrow night. He's going to be the main ball carrier. And this is another scenario where I don't buy Zach Moss is going to actually be worked in here. I think that was a lot of hype. I think they tried to put that out there so they could trade him. I don't think it's going to work out the way they want it to. So I'm not buying that. I think it's Devin Singletary. I think it's James Cook. Singletary getting the bulk of the work, getting the short yardage work. I don't, and we have to wait and see exactly how much James Cook is going to be worked in early on. But as a flex play, I like Devin Singletary. We got more comments coming in. I'll just give you guys a quick update. 
Danielle saying she was not able to get Kareem Hunt. Instead, got she got Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, and Melvin Gordon. Not a bad stable of running backs there. So that's just a quick update throughout that uh, draft. A little exchange there going on in the comments section. Make sure you're following the show live on YouTube. And I'm telling you right now, we're going to go well over an hour tonight because, look, it was the first the first night. We had a lot to be able to explain. And I'm gonna we're going to get through the outline. It's going to be like an hour and a half. Just stay with the MD Spanish football show. It'll be well worth it. I promise you guys that. Uh, wide receivers are lookout for wide receivers. Allen Robinson talked about him a little bit earlier. Wide receiver, 33. And thank you, Victor, for subscribing to the show. Wide receiver, 33 for Allen Robinson. Okay, so obviously don't have him as a must start because I don't have him in the top 24. Partly due to the matchup with the Bills. We want to see how this all breaks down. But I'm not gonna. You're not gonna go wrong having Allen Robinson in your lineup as either your flex or your wide receiver three. Big hopes for him this season. I think he's got some high upside, especially take away you know a little more of a share between Cooper Cup and the second receiver. In this case, Allen Robinson, who's had the best, who's gonna have the best quarterback and the best offense he's had throughout his entire career. I'm excited to see exactly what happens. But he does that wide receiver 33. Brand Ayuk, who's gonna be part of a question that we have later on the show. He's at wide receiver 37 for me, so he just misses my chart here. It only goes up to 36 wide receivers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. He's going to be interesting, though. If, you, if you're looking for a guy to be that wide receiver four, you play in leagues, have three receivers, and you want to go flex, he's interesting because... Brian Ayuk has had this relationship built up all, all offseason long with Trey Lance. So could he be a deep play guy? Yes, but I think he's going to be a very boom or bust guy. I don't, think you, I don't think you're looking at a safe floor here. So for that purpose is why I do have him outside the top 36 wide receivers. And I do think you're taking a bit of a risk if you're looking to play Brian Ayuk. Next up, we got Chris Olave. He's going to look out for... I'm not necessarily looking to play him this week. I got him at wide receiver 48. So I have him as a bottom end wide receiver four. So I'm not necessarily trying to plug into my lineup this week. I want to see how this Saints thing is going to break out. And I don't know too many times I'm going to want to definitely play him alongside Michael Thomas until something gets established with that offense. However, and thank you, Richard, for just subscribing to the show as well. However, with... Lost my train of thought here. <laughs> With Chris Olave, we get on the season. Michael Thomas gets hurt, or if he emerges the way I think he can, which is being an inside-outside deep play threat wide receiver with Jameis Winston, who likes to throw the deep ball, 
is going to be, I don't think it's going to be too long before Chris Olave is on our laps almost every single week. And then Drake London at wide receiver 40. Another guy that I'm not necessarily trying to plug into the lineups, but with London, he does have the safety floor of the volume because it should be him and Kyle Pitts for the most part down the field and then getting consolidated too. But again, he's just getting back to practice. He's got to go up against the Saints. He's got to go against Marshawn Lattimore. I don't love the matchup there. And I kind of want to see, again, how this Falcons offense really plays out. So Drake London, wide receiver 40, not somebody I'm necessarily trying to definitively plug in. Dawson Knox, let's move to tight end. Sorry about that. Dawson Knox, tight end 19. Not trying to play Dawson Knox. He's a lookout for tight end, a lookout for, and I ain't playing him against the Rams. The Rams were very good against tight ends last season. And Dawson Knox was somebody who was already incredibly touchdown dependent to begin with. So I am not big on trying to start Dawson Knox at the tight end 19 spot, but Tyler Higby on the other hand, in the same game, I'm a little bit more bullish on. I got him at tight end 15. Again, he's one of the guys that I brought up as a name that is available on the waiver wire in most leagues. If you have George Kittle that you're suddenly going to potentially need to replace now, uh, depending upon how the rest of this week plays out. He's going to be on the field all the time. Van Jefferson is not going to be out there tomorrow. Ben Skronik will be. There's a good chance Tyler Hickby could wind up being that third pass catcher and be effective in the red zone. So if you want to take a chance on the tight end, he's somebody I got my eye on. Cole Komet, tight end 17. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I got to see it. He's, he's one of those guys outside of Mooney and David Montgomery. I got to see how the Chicago offense breaks down. I just, I got to see how just where Justin Fields look for him. Are you going to look for him more in the red zone? Also not a great match for tight ends against San Francisco to begin with. So I'm looking for other options outside of Cole Komet. And then Hayden Hurst, I got him at tight end 21. I'm not looking to play him this week, but he is somebody who I had in the back of my mind. He's a deep shot sleeper. He's somebody that maybe you should plug in on your DFS lineups because he's priced all the way down, has some curiosity value there. But he's somebody who I think is consistently going to get brought up as a sleeper. Remember CJ Usama? It was hit or miss. You can make the argument. You don't know when you're going to be able to play this guy. But I will say this. There was a couple games out there. CJ Usama won you in a week. Hayden Hurst could be that guy, and he's going to be out there even more than CJ Usama was. Why? Well, he can block. He can block. For a team that's going to score a lot of points, he can block. We got some comments coming in. Victor, hey, Dan, Dawson Knox might score a touchdown tomorrow. First game since he lost his brother. That's the narrative. That's valid. And if you want to go off of that, you can do that. I'm not putting something like that into my algorithm. Maybe I should. That's more of a gut feel than it is anything else. But like something to be seen. And you know what? I'll be rooting for him, too. <laughs> All right. Let's keep moving this thing on because we get, we got, <laughs> we're, we're running low, low on time. Be cautious of. Be cautious of. Be cautious of some of these guys that we don't want to plug in our lineups. Be cautious of. Be cautious of Mitchell Trubisky. Be, be cautious of Marcus Mariota. Be cautious of Justin Fields. Now, that should go without saying. Fields is a tough matchup. And again, I want to see how this Bears offense plays out. Mariota, don't, definitely don't want to play against the Saints is somebody I'm going to have in the back of my mind as a streamer as different options throughout the year. But the Saints ain't one of those matchups. And, of course, Trubisky. I'm never going to look for a reason to play Trubisky. Never. 
Victor asked questions. Start Lamb, Thielen, and Renfro for week one. I don't know what your other options are. I assume you have to play three, three receivers. That's not a bad three receivers if that's what you have to play. So we'll see exactly what happens. But getting back to this here. Here's another be cautious of at the running back position. And that would be Darrell Henderson. I, I'm I'm out. Darrell, look, I, I, I'm not playing Darrell Henderson as a flex guy. He's RB43. That's what that's what he is on my rankings, meaning I don't have a top 36. I'm not going to play him as a flex. And again, it goes back to the same argument. I am not buying in that he is definitively going to be in a 50-50 split with Cam Akers until I see it because Sean McVay has never shown that in years past. Our B cautious of wide receivers, McKenzie at wide receiver 76. I think this is going to be more about Diggs and Gabriel Davis. I think we're going to have to wait and see how McKenzie breaks out. Now, he was a full participant in practice, so that's that's good. So he might actually be 100% healthy heading to this game, but not looking to start McKenzie already. Uh, Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 70, you're not playing him. Tyler Boyd, I feel bad for Tyler Boyd. He just gets left out, but he's wide receiver 54. You're not going to play him either. And then the Steeler wide receivers, Chase Claypool, wide receiver 43. George Pickens, I have it wide receiver 50. I'm not playing anybody outside of Deontay Johnson. It's not, it's just, it's not going to happen. I'm not playing anybody outside of Deontay Johnson. But I am curious to see how this works out. Who is Trubisky looking for first? He's looking for Claypool or he's looking for George Pickens? How long does it take till George Pickens overtakes that role? It's not going to be week one. I can tell you that much, but. Starting this week is when we're going to be watching for the narrative. But until then, until one emerges over the other, I don't want to play either one of these guys. We got some more questions coming in. Uh, we got Richard Hernandez back with Bateman or Bateman or Godwin for week one. That for me is going to come down to, I have Bateman a little bit higher right now, but that for me is going to come down to the reports on Godwin. He practiced in full today. If he continues to practice in full all week, I will probably lean Godwin just, just slightly. The thing that you got to remember about Rashad Bateman, the thing you got to remember about the Jets' defense, and we're actually going to talk about Bateman a little bit later. With Bateman, he's going to be matched up on Sauce Gardner, the rookie corner, the top-notch rookie corner the Jets took with their first-round pick overall. That's going to matter. That is going to matter. And I, I think we're all going to find out real quick that Sauce Gardner is going to be one of the elite corners in this league potentially as soon as this year. So it's not like Bateman has a cake matchup compared to the rest of the Ravens against the Jets. So as long as Godwin continues to practice in full, it's it's going to be Godwin for me. Let's move on. Oh, and then our last but not least, be cautious of for this segment that went way too long. <laughs> we'll do better tomorrow. Don't worry. That's going to be the Saints tight ends. There's no reason any week ever to start the Saints tight ends. All right, we finally got to go to a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll have four more games that we're going to preview before we close it out here tonight. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with all of you right after this. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor has the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. 
True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 20% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. True Classic doesn't just stop at tees. They are your one-stop shop for men's essentials. Super easy and simple to fill out your wardrobe. From polos and workout shirts with the same flattering fit to boxer briefs designed with a pouch to keep your bulge nice and comfortable. All their gear is top-notch quality at reasonable prices. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100 and 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Coming to you live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe when you get the chance and check us out on bellyup.tv. You can always catch us on demand on your TV devices when you download the Fox D Network app and look for the Billy Up Sports TV category. And stay up to date with the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, giving you uh, an overtime show here today, apparently. We'll try to do better tomorrow. Keep it, I like to keep these things at an, as an hour if we can, but great engagement today on YouTube. Make sure you check that out if you have the chance, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep this thing going. I do have a question coming out of the break. Hey, Dan, if Alan Lazard sits, is Romeo Dobbs a stash? Wait and see if he becomes a thing week one. Love me some Romeo Dobbs. All right, Richter, first of all, Romeo Dobbs is a stash regardless of what's going on with Alan Lazard, first and foremost, because there's going to have to be a second receiver who emerges of that group. Sammy Watkins is toast. Randall Cobb is toast. Uh, Christian Watson didn't get enough practice time in. He's a raw guy, even though he has big ability. To me, it's going to be Romeo Dobbs. I've been on the Romeo Dobbs train really since he got drafted. I said that during our NFL draft special that he was going to outperform Christian Watson his rookie year when it comes to fantasy football. So regardless, I think he's a stash of whether or not Alan Lazard is going to play this week, something we're going to probably talk about later on uh, tomorrow's show. Excuse me. Today, in, in the second half, the, the second segment, the, in the next four games we're going to talk about, we got the Eagles against Detroit. Baltimore against the Jets, Patriots against the Dolphins, and the Jaguars against the Washington Commanders. So those are the four games we're going to talk about here and break down our segments, starting off with our obvious starts of these four games, if I could ever just, you know, find the drop. This is why I need my intern. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. All right, so our obvious starters at the quarterback position right out of the gate. We got Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, my number two, and number three quarterbacks. Jamar Jackson, number two. Jalen Hurts, number three. Both have great matchups this week. Both run a lot. 
Both have some new weapons to play with. Yeah, I shouldn't have to say much more than that. I don't have any obvious starters out of this group when it comes to the running back position. There's no there's no top-notch elite guys. So at the wide receiver position, I got two. I have A.J. Brown and I have Tyreek Hill. A.J. Brown is a definite starter for me coming in. If I can find it here. Well, Tyreek Hill is at my wide receiver nine. Uh, A.J. Brown is, is somewhere inside my top 12 at the moment. I can't seem to see it. Oh, you know what? That's what it is. The banner's in the way. If you're listening on the show, I'm sorry. There's, there's a bunch of stuff going on with the graphics and our little scroll there is in the way. A.J. Brown's is wide receiver 12 heading into this week. That shouldn't shock anybody either. If they're going to use A.J. Brown and unleash him, this is the week to do it. They're playing against Detroit. He's fully healthy. One of the things about Brown, the only thing that really kind of holds him back here and there is, you know, his knees. Right now he's healthy. He's got a great matchup. If the Eagles want to show that they're going to be opening this thing up at all, this would be the time to do it. And of course, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is, while he's a guy that I think has a limited ceiling as far as like being a top five guy, top six guy on the season, he's going to consistently be a top 10 guy. Remember what I've said about this offense, this Mike McDaniel offense coming from the Shanahan tree. It has the ability to feature the crap out of whoever that wide receiver one is. After paying him a $30 million contract and offering up all that draft capital, it's a reason why I'm lower on Jalen Waddle because I think the featured guy is going to be Tyreek Hill and it's going to be a bit of a hit or miss situation for when, you know, for 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 when he's going to be able to get involved because of Tyreek Hill, Richard asking Stafford or Cousins week one, uh, that would be that would be Cousins for me. I do have Cousins higher. We'll talk about that and either I think tomorrow we'll talk about that it, 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 for about Cousins and where we have him. Uh, moving on here, the tight end position, our obvious starters is Mark Andrews. Shouldn't be a surprise. Mark Andrews is going to be in your starting lineups no matter who he's playing. He's going to probably be consistently a top two guy for me. And yeah, there's not really much else to say there. He's the one who's got the best match. We talked about Rashad Bateman, who we're going to talk about again in just a second. But he might have a matchup with Sauce Gardner. Mark Andrews is going to have the mismatch all day, every day. So after that, we can go ahead into our lock em ins lock them in It's a lock. And our lock them in running backs of these matchups, DeAndre Swift, of course. But I have him at RB18. I don't have him as a top 12 guy, like a lot of people do, as a top 10 guy. Again, I think we're going to find out. I shouldn't say again, because I actually haven't got to talk about this yet. The Eagles defense is for real. The Eagles defense I have is a top three defense this season, including in fantasy football. Their draft pick of Davis still having Fletcher Cox for another season. This is already a team you couldn't run on. <laughs> I don't know how you suddenly run on them now. I don't know how you suddenly run on them now. They're going to be even tougher against the run. And when you start talking about like, okay, DeAndre Swift, he's going to be more involved in the passing game. Mm, okay, you will. But the Eagles actually have linebackers. They haven't had linebackers in 20 years. They have linebackers who can actually cover out of the backfield. It's a big change from what we've seen out of these guys. It's a huge deal. So now you got linebackers in cover. So that's why I have DeAndre Swift at 18, but I'm, I'm locking him into my lineups. There's, there's no way I'm not playing DeAndre Swift, but that's why he's not really an RB1 for me. He's not an obvious starter. He's in that second tier, kind of. Another guy we got to talk about is Antonio Gibson. So he comes in at RB13. Obviously, it's because he's playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
<laughs> like there's no other X ex- Jaguars and no Brian Robinson for the first four weeks. Right. This is what you, if you have Antonio Gibson on your team right now, you need him to go out there and light the Jaguars up. That's what you need. And then sell him quickly like magic beans, sell him away. I don't know when Ryan, Brian Robinson is truly going to be able to come back. And it's, it's not something that we can necessarily talk to like Brian Scott about our medical professionals, because it's just, it's an unprecedented situation with the gunshot wounds. How long does it really take to recover? How long do you take hits? It's kind of a different territory. Okay. But I do think if Brian Robinson is truly going to be back before, let's say the second half of the season, which is what they've been talking about. I don't think Antonio Gibson holds on to this job. They were ready to supplant him. I don't think Brian Robinson comes back the first week and takes over right away, but there is a ticking clock nonetheless on Antonio Gibson. Have him come out against the Jaguars. Have him go off. Look to see if you can start trading him away. Look to see if you can start trading him away. Yes, Victor, we do have Swift lower than Zeke this week. And... Our last lock him in for this group is Travis Etienne. I know James Robinson is supposed to play. I know Doug Peterson's talking about like, oh, you might get it. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a normal workload. Well, when he talks about normal workload, by the way, I kind of want to I kind of want to clear that up. It's not a normal workload like it was in years past where James Robinson was like the three down back. Like that, that's not what he means. He means his normal workload as far as what they expect the workload between a Travis Etienne and a James Robinson to be, which most likely is Robinson first, second down, goal line work. But I do think Etienne is it was planned on, even if Robinson was 100% healthy, was always planned on getting some of that first, second down work. Like I think we might be looking at a series-by-series basis with Etienne handling more of the four-minute offense, two-minute drill, third and longs, and Robinson probably handling more of the goal line work. I think that's the split they had in mind in an ideal world. But we don't know. What Robinson's going to look like in his first game back coming off the Achilles injury. It is a faster recovery. I know Brian Robinson, uh, Brian Scott, excuse me, earlier in the show talked about, you know, Robinson's about, about right where he could be good to go, but it's still pretty quick. <coughs> and we still haven't seen running backs be able to come back great with the Achilles injuries. And Victor bringing up the fact that Gibson does have a good matchup in week two as well. So you have multiple chances to sell him high. But Etienne comes in on my RB21. You're locking him into your lineups. I'm going to play him early and often until I get a good look at what Robinson truly is. Let's move on here to our wide receivers. So this is where I wanted to get into the Bateman conversation. Now I have Bateman at wide receiver uh, 24, I believe. Yes, we have wide receiver 24. And then we have Terry McLaurin also lock him in at wide receiver 11. Now, McLaurin, I don't think we have to talk about him too much. Jacksonville, best quarterback he's had, regardless of what you think of Carson Wentz. You're playing Terry McLaurin, and I got him as a top 12 receiver actually this week. Bateman, on the other hand, so I have him as wide receiver 24. That is significantly higher than the ECR which as of right now is sitting at about wide receiver 25 to wide receiver 26. So not significantly higher, a couple spots higher. And the reason I don't, but the reason I don't have him significantly higher, I guess I should say is because of the sauce Gardner matchup. He's probably going to see him quite a bit. And I do think sauce Gardner is for real. That's something I think people have to keep in mind when they're going to see, you know, the jets as their opponents on their players coming up. You're going to have to keep that in mind. 
that they do have legitimate number one corner to shut this whole thing down. Don't expect it to always be an easy matchup for that wide receiver one in particular. Not everybody else, the running game, the wide receiver two, the tight end. Yeah, of course. Quarterback, love them. That wide receiver one might have a tougher time, but I still love Rashad Bateman in this game, and he's still going to be locked in as a wide receiver two for me. TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, my two lock them in tight ends. They're going to be a top 10 every week. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care what's going on. As long as they're healthy, they're top 10 tight ends. You're going to lock them into your lineups. So let's talk about our lookout for. Look out for. Our lookout for quarterbacks to attack Lavoa, Carson Wentz, and of course, Trevor Lawrence. Now, Tua, look out for as in, I ain't playing him. It's a Patriots defense, first and foremost. It is a good defense. And I got to wait and see how this thing's going to all break down. And you're going to see here on my graphic, I don't even have Tua up there because I got my QB 22 right now. I got Carson Wentz at QB 21. The only guy who makes the graphic is Trevor Lawrence at QB 17 at the moment. I got to see how this whole Miami Dolphin thing breaks down. I got to see where Tua is. I got to see if he's really taking the next step. A lot of question marks, a tough matchup. This ain't the week to stream him. I think there will be weeks to stream him, but this, this ain't one of them. Trevor Lawrence on the other hand, QB 17, he's interesting. He's interesting. Now, you're probably not going to start him unless it's a, a super flex or a two-quarterback league at QB 17. You're, you're going to have other options. But as I said before, you, you know, maybe you're looking DFS. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. This is a game I think could be could could be a shootout. I wouldn't be surprised. You got two bad defenses. Remember, Washington doesn't have much of a secondary, and they don't have Chase Young the first four weeks. So this is not the Washington Commanders defense of old. And of course, Jacksonville has a long way to go defensively, too. So there's a chance here we might see some big plays, which is why I think Trevor Lawrence is a little bit interesting when it comes to DFS. But redraft, you should have better options. And the same thing because said for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, I don't think is ever going to be more than, a, a, I think the highest I'll probably ever have him is QB 15, even if it's a great matchup. He's a QB two. It's just what he is. It's about what he does for everybody else. So I'm not excited about the quarterbacks there, but let's look out for the, some of the running backs. And this is where, this, it's an interesting list. It is. So to kick it off, we got Miles Sanders here. He's, got, he's at my RB 25. We just talked about Miles Sanders kick off the show. Again, Scott, Brian Scott talking about hamstring injury, but practicing full today. We expect him to be a full go. And you have a great match against Detroit. So Miles Sanders, not quite my top 24, but my very top RB3, who should at least be in your flex plays this week. 
Mike Davis is interesting. So Mike Davis, I have him right now at RB39. There's a very good chance I'm going to be moving Mike Davis up as soon as they officially rule out J.K. Dobbins. That's really the only reason I haven't moved him up past 39. I do expect them to rule out Dobbins. But just on the off chance they don't, that's why I have him there. There's a good chance he'll be inside my top 36, making him a bona fide flex play. It's a good match because the Jets, he's going to be the lead guy. I know they signed Kenyon Drake, but he got there late in the process. Mike Davis is going to have a better feel for this offense. He'll get first crack at it. And I'm not a huge Mike Davis fan, so I'm not going to try to sit here on a pedestal or die on this hill that you know you have to play Mike Davis. But when you look at the situation and you look at teams, you're looking around, you need a flex play for week one because there's, there's some teams in that situation after their drafts. Dobbins likely not to play Drake coming in late into the process. And I know everybody wants to talk about last year and how disappointing he was, but the Ravens offensive line is a hell of a lot better than the Falcons offensive line last season. It's, it's not even close. And I don't think people realize how good the Ravens offensive line is going to be this year with the additions of Tyler Linderbaum in the center, getting Ronnie Stanley back healthy. It's that's going to be a really good offensive line this year, regardless of who running, who's running behind it. If Mike Davis is a good offensive line against the Jets, I think he's going to put up a solid fantasy day. So <laughs> good chance he winds up in the top 36 as we get J.K. Dobbins news. Brees Hall, my RB26, should be a flex guy. I think him, let's lump him and, and Carter together real quick. With Brees Hall and Michael Carter having Joe Flacco for the next four weeks, while it's not who they want to start the quarterback position, obviously, the reason why it is a little bit interesting because over the next four weeks now, we're going to be able to stat out more targets than we normally would have for the running back position. That is going to be a thing. We will be able to stat that out more. Because we, we saw it last year. If it was any quarterback besides Zach Wilson, they checked the ball down. And, and the running backs, whoever that pass-catching running back was that particular week, went off. I do think there's going to be a role for both Brees Hall and for Michael Carter. And I'm leaning towards Brees Hall. I know there's been some debate about who's really the number one coming out the gate. Maybe it'll be a close to 50-50 split. I don't think it gets to be anything more than 60-40. And I'm putting my money on the more talented player. While I love Michael Carter, the more talented player all around is Brees Hall. I do think he gets more of a crack at it. He's a high-end RB3 play for me. But Carter, not too far outside my flex play, especially if you're looking in PPR. We can talk about another running back tandem. We can talk about Ramondre Stevenson. And we can talk about Damian Harris. Now, you go against the Miami Dolphins. Now, I don't know which defense of the Dolphins we're going to get. Are you going to get the first half of the Dolphins defense you got last year with the guy who's calling the plays now, which wasn't very good? Or are you going to get the defense that was firing off and getting behind the line of scrimmage and making plays happen that you got in the second half of the season when Brian Flores was calling the plays? I think that's the question of what we're running into here. But what I do know is this. I still have Stevenson ranked ahead of Damian Harris. I have both of them in the flex position. So I think you can play either one. Just don't expect a high ceiling type of game out of either one of these guys. But I think this is the beginning of Ramondre Stevenson starting to establish himself as the more fantasy valuable back of the two. Ty Montgomery could be active, which I think in some ways is a good thing because now we can actually see Okay, Stevenson, what is your role in the past game? Does it all go to you, or does Ty Montgomery get mixed in? I think we'll get an early look at that. We got a question coming in from Michael Palmer. Would you trade Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, and Cooper for Allen? I'm assuming it's Amari Cooper, and I'm assuming you're asking about Josh Allen. 
Keenan Allen. Oh, we're getting confirmation. It's actually Keenan Allen. Uh, d- no, no, I would, I would not, I would not trade those three players for Keenan Allen. I do love Keenan Allen. Cooper's got some nice, nice upside when you guys get into the playoffs. Josh Jacobs. I know there's a lot of talk about him and the running backs and what is that going to look like? Josh Jacobs is still the guy. He's still the guy until he's not the guy. Okay. So I'm, I'm sticking with Josh Jacobs. And then last but not least, Hunter Renfro. I am not as high on Hunter Renfro as others, but I that's too much value for Keenan Allen, who, while I think he has a good floor, doesn't necessarily have the ceiling of a guy who can be in the top five. And I think if you're getting up that much value, you have to be you have to be a guy who's going to possibly be in the top five. Uh, other question, Victor, Keenan, or Josh? Uh, you're going to have to be more specific about who Josh is in your book, and I'll be able to answer that question, Victor. Uh, moving right along here, let's talk about the Dolphins' backfield. We're talking about the Patriots' backfield. Let's talk about the Dolphins' backfield. Chase Edmonds, RB28 for me. I'm playing him as an RB3. feel pretty solid about what his workload is going to be. And then Raheem Mostert's on my radar at RB40. Now, he's on my DFS radar. And look, for obvious reasons, we know it only takes one play with Raheem Mostert. But I think he's going to have 40% of the work. I do think he has a significant amount of work. I don't love the match against the Patriots. I think in redraft leagues, you should have better options. But I'm taking a look at him at DFS. Because it only takes one play, and I think he's going to be out there a significant amount of time. And look, is he injured prone? Of course he is. But... To think that he's gonna get pl- he's gonna get hurt after two plays like he did last year. I mean, even for him, that should be unlikely. But Chase Simmons is a guy who I'm gonna solidly play in my flex pretty much all year long. And because I think he fits that system perfectly, I think there's a real scenario where we're talking about Chase Simmons as an RB two, a top twenty four running back uh, for a lot of the year. So I'm playing those guys. And then last but not least, as far as my lookout for J.D. McKissick at running back 37. So I do have him just outside the top 36. I do have him just outside the flex area. He'll probably hover between that 36-44 area, I think, as long as Brian Robinson is out. And this is just a two-man committee, not a three-man committee. But something I want to get you guys to keep in mind, even in PPR leagues where I know J.D. McKissick had tons of value before, Carson Wentz doesn't check the ball down. He doesn't. And that's become an issue, especially for a guy like Jamie Kiss. We saw what it did to Naeem Hines last year. He was RB20. He was RB20 in PPR leagues before Carson Wentz got there. I'm not going to be super excited to ever play J.D. McKissick. I'm just, I'm just not. Moving on to the wide receivers, my lookout for wide receivers. First and foremost, we got Devonta Smith. Now, I have to admit, it's going to be hard for me to ever play Devonta Smith. We got to see the Eagles offense, first and foremost, become more pass happy, at least especially more pass happy than it was last year. And I think it will, at least to some degree. But they found an identity in what they saw last year. And I don't know if they're going to totally go away from it. As a result, as long as A.J. Brown is healthy and you have Dallas Goddard in the mix, I think it's going to be incredibly hit or miss on what you're going to get out of Devonta Smith. So if you have to play him, you play him this week because you're playing against Detroit. It's a good matchup. But I'm going to consistently have Smith as that wide receiver four guy on my team who I only play him if I absolutely have to or if A.J. Brown's out. I don't know how often I'm going to be looking to play him otherwise. St. Brown, on the other hand, is a different story. So I'm definitely going to play St. Brown this week. Against the Eagles, 
they got a good secondary. They got a good secondary. So let's let's make sure we keep that in mind. But he's got the safe floor. He's got the flex. Jared Goff looks for that guy over the middle, and that is the one area of the field that you should be able to attack the Philadelphia Eagles on a pretty consistent basis. However, he's not a must-start for me. The reason why St. Brown is not a must-start for me this week is because I got to see this team. He was great last year, no doubt about it. And I was a big St. Brown fan during the NFL draft process, but he didn't play. He didn't get all that work when TJ Hawkinson was healthy out in the field, when they had the addition of a DJ Chark, when DeAndre Swift was even healthy. Remember, he was the lone guy. And I don't think St. Brown only needs volume in order to be successful, but I do think that is a more of a weighted variable when you look at a player's, you know, variables that he needs in order to be good. That is a more weighted variable when it comes to St. Brown than it comes to other players. So I, it's a, something of a wait and see, and it's a tough matchup. So he's not a must-star for me, but he is a guy who I probably will have as my wide receiver three in my flex position. Elijah Moore kind of falls in that same boat. Elijah Moore was fantastic down the stretch, and he's the one wide receiver who I do believe definitively has a rapport with Zach Wilson, but that doesn't matter for this week. Here's another thing for you. The Baltimore Raven defense, yeah, they're not as decimating that secondary as they were a season ago. That's a good defense. I'm probably not looking to put Elijah Moore in my starting lineup this week. I like Elijah Moore's upside. I like having him as a wide receiver four for the season. I did value him there in my pre-draft rankings. But for this week, I kind of need to see, outside the running backs, I need to see how this thing's going to break down with, with Moore, with Davis. When does Garrett Wilson get on the field? And, and also more with Joe Flacco. We saw it with Zach Wilson, but we didn't see it with anybody else last season. And again, I just don't like the matchup. So I'm not looking to play Elijah Moore this week. Devontae Parker is not a lookout for guy. It's not a good match against the Miami Dolphins, first and foremost. But he is. it is a, a, a rivalry game or a, a going home game, a homecoming game for Devontae Parker. They are going into Miami. You know, does he does he get to light up his old team? That's a narrative anyway. It's going to take a big play. He has some really like deep value, I think, DFS play to him because I do think he's going to be the number one pass catcher of the New England Patriots this year. That's why I actually had him ranked as a sleeper during our pre-draft process. But I think he should have better options when it comes to redraft leaks. And also look out for Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle is outside my top 36 right now. I'll even put up the graphic. To prove. Well, actually, I'm sorry. He's at my wide receiver 34. He's almost outside my top 36. And again, it just goes back to what I talked about with Tyreek Hill. This is a guy that is a second option in an offense that is known for predominantly featuring the number one option. Everybody else after that, it's hit or miss. It's a tough match against the Patriots. I need to see how this Dolphins offense is going to look. So if you can, if you can afford, and this is why I pleaded with MD Nation, I said, let someone else make that mistake when it comes to Jalen Waddle. I said it all offseason long. I had him about 20 spots lower because he was going at wide receiver 14 at one point. And I had him all the way down at my wide receiver 36. 20 spots lower plus than the ADP, than the ECR, because you have to look at what the offense is going to be. Even if Tua takes the next step, this offense only consistently features the first main guy. After that, it's a bit of a question mark. What's your involvement going to be? I got to see what this offense is going to look like. So if you have other options that you could pivot to, and wait and see, and you have Waddle on your team, 
That's what my advice would be. I love Waddle. He's got tremendous big play upside. I think he's going to be a legitimate number one receiver the second they move on from Tua Tagovailoa and get a real quarterback in there. He will be. And I think the Dolphins could be one of the top offenses in the NFL as soon as that happens too. But I'm worried with Tua, who does not throw a good deep ball. What is Waddle's overall impact truly, truly going to be able to be this season? I do worry about that. Christian Kirk, look out for. Look out for Christian Kirk to have a big impact this week. Love the matchup. We talked about him a little bit during the questions. He's going to be the number one guy. They've All they've talked about is how Christian Kirk is. He's lining up on the outside. He's lining up on the inside. Trevor Lawrence loves him. He's up. He's above and beyond and far away the number one receiver pass catcher on the team. There's not even a question mark. Christian Kirk should be locked in as a high upside wide receiver three in your lineups this week. And maybe even most weeks. Now, Here's what I'm going to say, though. I'm not I'm not being the drum saying Christian Kirk is going to shock the world for this entire season. He's still Christian Kirk. I still have a lot of questions about how good is he really. I think he's still more of a complimentary receiver than a guy who really should be anchoring your receiver room. But when you have matchups like this, and you know you're above and beyond the number one targeted guy on the team that's going to probably throw the ball more than not, it's a good situation to be in, and that's why Christian Kirk would be there for me. All right, look out for our tight ends, Hunter Henry, Mike Isecki, and I'm looking out for both of these guys in a negative connotation. Now, I have Hunter Henry as my number 12 tight end. It has more to do with the fact that tight end matchups this week are not very good when you get to the bottom tier. You're praying for a touchdown. That's what I talk about. Hunter Henry was one of my bust options for where he was being drafted at in most drafts this year at his ADP. You're praying for a touchdown. We're going to finally see a couple things. This Patriot offense, how it's actually going to work. But the second thing being, are you really, are you truly, with the, with the amount of money you paid, going to leave Janu Smith, continuing to leave him out of the offense? Is that really what you're going to do? Because that's what Hunter Henry needs in order to repeat or even have a chance to repeat, I should say, because he's going to see some regression in his touchdown category. Have a chance to repeat what he was able to do last season. So I'm looking out for Hunter Henry. Just know that he's incredibly touchdown dependent, which I know is not saying much different than what a lot of tight ends at the bottom tier are. But if you have other options, I would try to pivot to it. Or if you have a better feeling about somebody else, I wouldn't mind pivoting to it. And then you get the Mike Isecki. You don't really love tight ends against the Patriots to begin with. But again, outside of Tyreek Hill, I'm not trusting any of the pass catchers of the Miami Dolphins. We're down to our last segment, the be cautious of for these groups. So let's 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 hit let's hit that sound. Be cautious of be cautious of Mac Jones, meaning don't play him. Be cautious of Jared Goff. Don't play him. Be cautious of Joe Flacco. Don't play him. I don't think we have to go much more into that. James Robinson, be cautious of. So there are people out there right now that are debating whether or not they should actually play James Robinson this week. I have Robinson ranked as my RB44 coming into the week. Now, it's a great story, and I'm so happy for him that he's able to come back from his Achilles injury because it's a huge deal. I mean, this is not a common thing that people are able to do. It's a huge deal that James Robinson was able to come back. But I'm not going to trust in his first game back 
he just got cleared for contact, I think, a week or two ago, that you're definitively going to look like James Robinson from the past couple of seasons this week. I don't care what Doug Peterson says. There's, that's a, there's a lot of coach speak in there. I also can't feel 100% confident that you're definitely not going to be on a snap count. Can't feel 100% confident about that either. So I have an RB44. On the off chance, he does become a little bit more significantly involved than I think logically will actually happen in week one of the season. But there should be other options you're pivoting to with redraft. And regardless, best case scenario, let's say James Robinson does get like a full workload or, or he's heavily involved, even in a, a, a 50-50 split with Travis Etienne, still a 50-50 split, and he's not the guy who's catching the ball. So you, again, you have a situation where he has to fall in the end zone in order to overcome what he's ranked, in order to outplay that. Find a better option than James Robinson this week. We do have a couple more questions coming in. Andrew, shoot. Who would you choose at flex? One flex week one. Cam Akers, Juju, or Allen Robinson? It's pretty simple for me. It's Cam Akers. He's in my top 24 at running backs when it comes to that group. Uh, moving on here. We got to talk about our, our be cautious of wide receivers. And for me this week, for this group, that would be DJ Chark and it'd be Jahan Dotson. DJ Chark is going to be the number two receiver to St. Brown, at least until Jamison Williams is healthy enough to play. And we'll have to see exactly when that's going to be. We'll be updating you throughout the season. Make sure you follow us at BellyUpMDFF Show for our players' notifications on social media. We got to see exactly how he's going to be utilized. There was a lot of talk that he was getting moved around the field, that he's looking pretty good. Cool. It's not. I'm not going to play him week one, but I am going to have my eye on him. The same thing goes for Jahan Dotson. These are two guys I'm not playing this week. But I do have my eyes on him. It's been a while since Carson Wentz has uh, held a second receiver fantasy relevant. So there's that aspect of it. John Dotson's a rookie. I am not thrilled with Scott Turner as an offensive play caller. I don't, I'm not thrilled with his creativity. Oh, and by the way, Curtis Samuel is still supposed to be involved in some sort of capacity who's getting paid a lot of money. He's not going to ride the bench. So I kind of have to see how the rotation between him and Samuel is going to play out who Carson Wentz is looking for on a consistent basis. Is he taking the time to look to others outside of Terry McLaurin on a consistent basis? So I have my eye on Jahan Dotson, but if you drafted him as a, a sleeper, an upside play, good for you. I'm not as big on him, but fine. I, I don't have a problem with you guys taking rookie receivers later on as upside plays. But some people might be looking at this as like, well, they're playing Jacksonville Jaguars. This is maybe my chance to prove my point. Don't try to prove a point in week one. Okay, just just don't play the guys that you're more confident about what their roles are going to be and wait and see on the rest. You really want to start off the season with that one and no. It's always a big confidence builder when you're able to do that. I plead with you guys, don't take home run chances left and right in your lineups or frankly, even at all, if you can avoid it in week one. Only if you're a heavy, heavy underdog would I think about a home run shot, but he ain't going to be one of them. And then last but not least, be cautious of these tight ends. You're not playing the Jets tight ends. Now, again, it's another situation I have my eye on. I want to see what happens with Tyler Conklin and, to a lesser extent, C.J. Usama. It's going to be Tyler Conklin who's going to be the guy. I want to see how involved he truly is in the offense and what that actually means from a fantasy standpoint. I have my eye on him, but I'm not, I'm not moving on him. Logan Thomas. I like Logan Thomas for the rest of the season as a stash play, as a guy who could be a top 12 tight end at some point. 
especially now he's been able to avoid the pup. I think that's a big deal. We talked about that earlier in the show, how it's it's shocking that he's been able to avoid the pup. And it shows where he's at in his recovery. I don't think he's expected to play week one at all anyway. So even if he was, I don't think you'd play him. But he is somebody who have my eye on moving forward. And then, of course, last but not least, Ingram and the Jags tight end. So there's quite a few people who have Evan Ingram ranked as a guy that, to think about playing this week. I'm still not convinced that we're not going to see Dan Arnold be involved too. I'm just not. Dan Arnold had a nice little stretch and he got hurt last year. I know that they paid Evan Ingram to bring him in. He'll definitely be the starter. He'll definitely be the first crack at it. But what does that truly mean? I think it's another situation where I got to wait and see. I'm not ready to roll the dice on that in a week one matchup. That's going to do it for the show. I know we had a mailbag segment, but I, I, we got asked so many questions. And thank you all for who, who tuned in and, and asked questions in the comments on YouTube that I don't really think we need to have a mailbag segment because we, we pretty much did it throughout the show. But what I am going to tell you guys is that tomorrow, I know we went, we did an hour and a half today. Tomorrow, we're going to try to keep it to an hour. We're going to preview the second half of week one. So the last eight games on the schedule, well, include the primetime games, of course, will be going on at 10 p.m. on YouTube and on bellyup.tv. Make sure you check us out on your favorite podcast app. Leave us, leave us a five-star review. And if you want to catch us on demand on your TV devices, make sure you download the Fox D Network app and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category. I'm your host, Dan Maynard, and I'm going to see you guys tomorrow night. We'll have Chris Dauer back tomorrow night, too, by the way. So we'll be able to see him. We'll give his analysis and Brian Scott to start off the show with our injury news segment. So see you guys then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.